You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed, the show where you can come to discover the best things you never knew existed, and the show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. My name is Koji. I am a part-time film festival goer and full-time, I don't even know, sleep-deprived as of late, Uh, and with me as always, is uh, my good friend, and I don't free, know. A free solo enthusiast? Free solo, enth- yeah, free solo enthusiast. The Casanova of climbers, just meeting those ladies at the gym. Andrew Patterson. No, no comment. <laughs> hey, this welcome to a special... Oh, Tilly, what you, yeah. What, what do you call this? When, when are you eating outside? Fresco? Alfresco? Yeah. Fresco? Sure. Alfresco episode? Yeah. It's really nice out. That was a beautiful night. Yeah, we are recording this in my backyard. So I don't know if this is maybe going to sound like pretty open air. Nothing's going to bounce off the walls and stuff. It's going to be weird. Yeah. There's going to be crickets cricketing in the background. It'll be nice. Yeah, it could be nice, though. It could be relaxing to listen to or it could be obnoxious. But it's a special TIFF episode. Yeah. Um, We uh, collectively have seen, what, three TIFF movies? Three TIFF movies for TIFF 2018, correct. Uh, okay, well, why don't you tell us what you saw first? We have a dog barking in the background. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't I guess that is as good a, good a way of proceeding as any. It's, so the first uh, TIFF... Well, okay, hold on. Before you even tell us that, what did you think of TIFF, your TIFF experience? Let's, get, let's start there. I think TIFF is, uh, is great. I think it's... Uh, really good for the city. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, interestingly, I think that, um, obviously there's people that are like diehard, you know, TIFF attendees, like they've got a membership to TIFF, you know, it's like the, their big event every year. But I think that I still get the feeling like there's something really, uh, shy about Toronto, you know, even through all of the, the recent sort of change in the culture you know the we the north home is toronto the drake you know people coming from toronto kind of pushing toronto outside of toronto and sort of forcing torontonians to not be so you know shy and also incredibly critical of everything that happens in the city even with all that i think that there's still a lot of that which is kind of discouraging but i think that tiff is an example of something that people don't really almost fully appreciate maybe the the level it's gotten to right like you know you hear about all of these sort of storied film festivals uh and it seems to me when you read non-toronto or not a non-canadian based media outlets yeah even though it doesn't have the same history it's it's up there it's like an it's an event on the hollywood calendar or at least the film circuit you know Oh yeah, it's a it's a it's a huge it's, one, and uh, yeah, but I think that that's still like people that live here still think of it as just like a thing that happens, and it's like oh yeah, you know, like maybe I'll. But I think like, that's like anything that's in your city. Like the rest of the world, I think views it as like a big deal. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I, but I'm saying that other cities do, are not necessarily like that with events that happen in their city. Like when you travel, really? you think? Absolutely, Toronto. Toronto has forever been like that. But I feel it's like it's known outside of Toronto as being a city like that, you know, like it's afraid to shine. See, to me, it feels like one of those things where, like, if you were from New York, you would never go to the uh, Empire State Building or the the. Um, That's a bit different. Statue though. of Liberty. Or something. Those are like, like those are tourists. Well, no, I know, but I just mean for me, for, it's like okay, or uh, what's the Nuit Blanche? Like it's, you know. I know it's happening, and I'm like, oh, that's still cool, different. But New, like, Nuit Blanche. Eh. I don't think people travel to Toronto to go to Nuit Blanche, and Nuit Blanche happens in other cities. Right, but I'm just saying, I feel like it's one of like the feeling that most people have in Toronto is, is of that same caliber. Like they're just like, eh, you know, it's just like a thing that happens. Hundred percent. That's tra- what I'm saying. Traffic, traffic is really of, bad downtown. So. That's the point I'm making, and I think that the, I'm, what I'm saying is that 
uh, my point, I guess, is sort of that TIFF has gone so far beyond that and Toronto, people that live in Toronto maybe haven't caught up to that yet. Because okay. another example would be like, um, maybe not a great example, but like when you, c- because, oh, so, so other film festivals are not open to the public. Yeah. Is the main differentiator why I wouldn't use another film festival as an example. But like consider cherry blossoms in Japan, mm-hmm. right? Like that shit is crazy for people that live in Japan too. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. they're not like, oh, it's fucking the week where like, you know, some shit is happening in traffic. You know, like it's it, it's something that they're kind of proud of. And I just feel like Torontonians have a history of not being excited about anything that happens in Toronto other than maybe the Leafs, which is hilarious because, you know, for decades, the Leafs have been terrible. Anyway, my point in saying all of this is my experience this year has been I didn't go see any TIFF films last year, but I'm always sort of conscious. I always look at the list because I find it exciting to see sort of what's coming up. But yeah. this year has almost like, uh, uh, this is like the best way that I can explain it. Cause I'm kind of rambling at this point. I think I mentioned the other day, like I, I Googled TIFF 2018 yeah. a couple days ago, like in the midst of the festival, because I hadn't this year, I had a lot of other things going on. I hadn't seen what what films were going to be, you know, like what the schedule was, like what was going to be premiering, what was going to be showing. And the first result was like Toronto Life, a Toronto Life post that came up on Google. But instead of it being like a list of the films, it was kind of like a paparazzi blog post where it was just like, check out what, like who's in town for for TIFF. And I clicked on it out of curiosity and it was like insane. Like it was like, but in such a casual way, which is sort of what made it so weird. It was like, even for me, I feel like five years ago or yeah. like 10 years ago, like TIFF's been around for a while, but when it really started gearing up and the light box got built, yeah, you know, it was like, oh shit, like George Clooney and Ryan Gosling are in town. You Did know, you it's crazy. Did you hear about the Ryan Gosling thing with yeah. the coffee shop? Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, there's a coffee shop that has a Ryan Gosling standee and they were like trying to entice him on social media to come stand in place of the standee and he came and so they've decided to give his mom free whatever for life. So funny. Pretty good. But, uh, but yeah, it was like scrolling through this post and it was like at all A-list shit, you know? I mean, there's lots of people from the full spectrum of professional filmmaking, you know, and independent filmmaking, but it was crazy. It was like I was scrolling down this list and it was like Natalie Portman, Nicole Kidman, you know, like all of these like huge actors. And it wasn't just like a sort of a one-off, like here's five pictures of like the most famous people that came to Toronto for like a split second for their premiere. It was right. like, it's like an, a, a week-long event where people are traveling here and enjoying the city as well. Like it's not just like they're coming to to make an appearance. And anyway, my point in saying all this is just like, you know, I want people that live here to be excited about this kind of stuff because when it comes to like everything, it's so easy to just get like pissed off about, like you said, like the traffic or, you know, whatever, or the tickets, you know, like... It's yeah. not every city has something like this and mm-hmm. certainly not every city has something like this. It's open to the public. And even though it can be hard to secure tickets, like I really encourage people to, to tr- try to experience it, you know, because it's like, it is a, a cool, well, it is a great thing to have and we're lucky to have something like it. I think this is a perfect time to shout out our friend, Tom, the AKA the nameless one yeah. who hooked us up big time with tickets to two pretty amazing movies. So, and, and I'll also shout out Aveline as well my friend Av who one of our uh, our friends who climbs got uh, got me tickets uh, along with a couple of our other sort of group of friends to go see see a premiere as well so well let's talk about those movies that you saw so you, you go and talk about one and I'll go okay. and then you go again because you saw two and I only saw one so you son of a bitch the first film that I saw was the documentary Free Solo is it about whaling guitar solos no, it's about um, uh, a, t- a type of climbing, like rock climbing, mm-hmm. which is uh, essentially just climbing without ropes, which doesn't, I mean, it kind of does it justice, but like you really, there's a, po- a point in the movie where, well, so it's different from bouldering because we've talked about bouldering before because bouldering, you don't get very high off the ground. There's like mats, you know. Yeah, free soloing is basically climbing sheer, like, thousand foot rock faces that you would normally climb with ropes like you would either do like lead or some well yeah basically you would do like lead climbing where you would have gear and uh you'd make your way up uh, just doing it with no basically like just free 
think Mission Impossible 2, right? It was 2? Where no, climbs the Burj Khalifa? Where he starts oh, off. Oh, starts off. In outside, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 2. And Metallica or something. Yeah, or yeah. So, yeah. But he's free, free, yeah, free soloing. Free soloing. Um, it's a documentary uh, that is um, about... Um, one of the most famous, if not the f- most famous, um, living climbers, Alex Honnold, and uh, and it is directed by um, I'm gonna just mangle her last name, Chai Vassar Heli, and Jimmy Chin, who uh, is they've they've worked together on a film before called Maru, which was also very well received but any case it's a documentary that's about this guy alex honnold free being the first person to free solo the face of el capitan which for those who don't know is uh a a face a rock face in yosemite that's 3200 feet tall i couldn't tell you how many pitches there are pitches being like sections that you would climb but um and it's sort of like his lifelong goal and it's amazing. I, what I was going to say about there's like an interesting scene that's in the trailer as well, I think, where one of his climbing buddies, who is also a professional climber uh, of some renown, is saying that, you know, this idea of free soloing and what he's what he's doing climbing El Capitan is uh, is crazy to yeah. people to people who. Uh, to this people who don't climb. Th- I'm so distracted right now. The dog does not like climbing. So anyway, this guy um, basically says, uh, you know, this is this is crazy it, to anybody that is like a climber or is, is remotely interested in climbing or is not interested in climbing. This is like you're like, OK, this is pretty nuts. But like to anybody that's really into climbing, you you're realizing how fucking crazy this is. You know, it's like. Anybody that, that sees the, like that, you know, you're like, oh, I'm afraid of heights. It's crazy. He could just fall to his death. But it's one of those situations where like with surfing or any sport, like the nuance can kind of be lost on you if you haven't been in close to a similar situation. Right. You know, so he's kind of talking about how for the people that are assembled to film this movie, like how terrifying and like impactful it is to them. Like it's not just about like an adrenaline junkie. Like this is like a... Um, and it was, it's just a great documentary. Like the thing going into it, I kind of thought I almost just based on the trailer was expecting sort of an extreme sports movie, you know, like it was going to be just a beautiful shots, like this guy doing this crazy, insane accomplishment, but it is a very well-rounded, uh, film. It's got like a, it's got a real, um, intimate, you know, relatable, um, look at the people involved Mm -hmm. um you know alex honnold's girlfriend uh features strongly in it or like heavily in it um the crew jimmy jimmy himself like who is an accomplished climber and filmer uh, and has known alex for a long time basically everybody involved has known him for a long time yeah and they're all you know like the film crew has to reconcile that they may see somebody they care about die in front of their eyes and in addition to that they also have to be okay with the fact that they could be end up being responsible for it because he normally does this stuff with nobody around yeah and that it could break his concentration so there's like a lot more and like it has a lot more depth than i was expecting going into it right and all of that depth makes the actual climbing fucking insane to watch um, I have so, to see this movie, dude. It's incredible. Like, highly recommended. Like, yeah. not not just for like climbing junkies. Like, f- it's amazing. And so the other cool thing that happened is we went and they were showing it on an IMAX screen, uh, and it was the first time it's been shown in IMAX. It wasn't filmed in IMAX, I don't right. think, but it was adapted for IMAX. And um, we were sitting near the divider, like the catwalk in an IMAX theater, where like you know there's seats below and seats above. Mm-hmm. And uh, right as the lights were dimming, we're like, oh shit, that's jimmy chin right there like he's he's like here he's like at the at the premiere yeah and then at the end of the film they had uh you know the the lights came on and they had a little spotlight and the person that presented it was just like you know a big round of applause for the directors and both chai and jimmy were there and they came down and everybody was everybody was clapping and then 
uh, and they were like, and also, and they sort of started naming other people that were in the movie that were like part of the crew that filmed. Right. And then they would like shine the light and they'd be sitting just randomly in the crowd. And I was like, oh shit, like everybody's here. And then they were like, and, and also the man of the hour and Alex Honnold himself was there. Oh really? And, uh, and Sonny, his girlfriend. And they did a Q and a session after, and it was like sick. I mean, some of the questions were kind of, I don't know. I feel like some of the questions were maybe from the portion of the crowd that weren't climbers that were just there to see a cool documentary, yeah. you know, because you could tell there was like a lot of climbers there as well. And the climbers were kind of maybe rolling their eyes a little bit when some of the questions were more about like the intimate personal details. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like it was, is really incredible. Um, I mean, it's not really the type of, since it's not a, a fictional movie, there's not really spoilers. Yeah. I mean, he was at the, he was, you know that he doesn't die, but the crazy thing is that didn't matter. It was still so nerve wracking and yeah, anxiety. I, I can't imagine watching. that it, it, it would really matter because just watching somebody put their life on the line like that, it would be intense. And, and the other crazy thing is he's not like, uh, so at one point they go to, he gets like an MRI. Yeah. Where they like do, they want to scan his brain to see like if there's something wrong with him or if he's just built in a different way that he does stuff like this. And it turns out that his like amygdala like just doesn't fire. Like it, it needs like a hundred times what the average human being would need to like activate, which essentially just means that like he just doesn't get scared the same way that people get scared, I guess. Right. Um, and he's just like, it's so hard to describe without sort of seeing the film or hearing him talk after. Like he's a very direct brutally honest person like brutally on like there are moments that are like personal moments that are kind of hard to watch because you know it's you're not used to seeing this kind of brutal honesty you know like yeah um when people are kind of telling him the risks and being like you know like you know do you th would you consider the following things he's right. just very much like no like why would i consider those things like with his loved ones, you know, like, right. he, you know, he's like his girlfriend is basically like there's a point where she asks him if he'll ever there will ever be a, there would ever be a point where he would consider something else like her. Like, what would it take f to con for him to consider something above climbing? Like, yeah. you know, like, is that ever something that's going to happen? And like without even thinking about it, like in an unedited shot, he's just like, no. Yeah. You know, like that, it, and it almost makes you think like, that is like, it takes, like, I've never met anybody like that before in my life. It's that's so passionate about a thing. Yeah. Well, it's not, know. no, no, but that's the crazy thing is it doesn't even, it doesn't come across, it, obviously he's passionate, but it, it just comes across as like he. Well, it's like life now. He's beholden to no one. Yeah. And even when there are like p so many people investing uh, emotionally in what he's doing it's like he he can't consider those things because to consider those things would s prevent him from doing them if that, i don't know it's like it just i think i won't ramble about it anymore i think it's worth seeing because you really like uh, uh at least for me for like half the people that i went to see it with the personal parts were very interesting and for the other half they didn't care about them <laughs> for right. one reason or another but i found it fascinating to like you know to to see what these interactions look like because i always wonder about that stuff personally like you see somebody that does some crazy shit and you're like yeah. what what led them to be like that you know like what does it take to be a person that is capable of doing something like that and like how do people around you react to it yeah and that's what this movie was all about um and you know it's beautifully filmed it's it's breathtaking they have like a lot of really interesting techniques that they use to try to like they have like camera traps and they the the camera crew had to like get to the top and like rappel down or like climb up uh and just to put this whole thing I'm in perspective they didn't use drones or something they do use drones oh, but okay. they were worried that the, the the volume like the noise the drones make would yeah. distract him so i mean if if you if this is completely off your radar, you've never heard of this movie, you've never heard of free soloing, and you don't know that much about rock climbing, let me just give you a comparison. So so the face is 3,200 feet, right? Which is roughly 270 stories or more. The CN Tower is 150 stories. The Burj Khalifa is 170 stories. So he basically climbed 
almost two CN towers and not like fl- it's not like a slab like it's not like uh there are parts where it's completely exposed and by completely exposed i mean like imagine you're hanging off of uh like a an eaves trough or a roof that comes out right and yeah. there's nothing below you like at all until you get to the ground there are parts of the climb that are like that right so imagine if you will the endurance and the willpower and the strength and the technique and the mental toughness it would take for everybody involved to to film and watch but also to without any harnesses or ropes or anything uh, any mistake and you're done basically just under twice the height of the cn tower that's crazy how many times had he climbed it before not the whole thing but like i, uh, I imagine he like i can't remember but he to like get ready for it obviously. yeah and he climbs it he climbs it with ropes as well like yeah. he does it uh lead with you know many many times because he is very meticulous and he keeps all these journals and he knows every single move there's like a, a crazy part a scene that's showing kind of like a montage of him climbing with a rope different part yeah and there's like kind of music and but the the sound is they just get him to read part of his journal yeah and it's just like uh left foot up uh like small chip right hand crack left hand two finger pocket two uh you know bump left hand three finger pocket match and he just like every single move of the climb is plotted in his brain and he draws like it's drawn out that's crazy and he just goes over it in his head again and again and again and again and then he climbs it again and again and again and again until he's confident that he knows every single thing he knows what parts of like a three or two or three inch square of rock on this 3200 cliff or a 3200 foot face is like the best out of that area and like how he needs to hit it and like where his but it's like so crazy it's just like another level it's like some savant shit it's yeah. nuts yeah that's um wild. and there's this one part where he's you can take one of two paths and the path that he elects for is called the boulder problem and it's like the crux of the climb it's like the hardest part yeah uh and it involves this move they call the karate kick where he essentially is like in this crazy off balance position and he has to kick straight out with his left leg and kick and hit the wall. Yeah. And then he has to basically foot hand match. So he has to reach over with his hand and match where his foot is more or less. Yeah. And then move through that problem. And they just keep kind of coming back to that over and over again. Cause it's the crux and it's a se- and you see, watch him fuck it up with ropes over and over again. And it basically what it comes down to is imagine like, just like stand against a wall right put put both of your hands on the wall and like your chest against the wall like be completely flush against the wall and then imagine just try kicking out your left foot and imagine that you're hitting something that is a couple inches off the wall and if you miss that you're falling like 2600 feet to your death it's fucking so intense and then of course they really focus in on that there's no music yeah during that part when he's actually attempting the it's so crazy, man. And he starts when it's dark because he wants to like get to he, the sun will affect his climbing. Like he doesn't want to be like sweat. It's just like it's so crazy. Okay, last question. Over yeah. what period of time does he 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 finishes the climb? And I think like th- uh, between three and four hours. I can't remember the total time. What? Yeah. He does the whole thing in, in three or four hours. Yeah. That's that's insane. So it wasn't like wow. So there's like no rest, basically, like a little bit of rest, but like yeah. not really. It's it's, yeah, and and like a lot of the times you see him rest, like there's a couple places where he can kind of stand. Yeah, but it's like how long do you think it would take you to walk up the stairs of the CN Tower? I don't know, like fucking hour and a half. Yeah, so for him to do this whole thing in three or four hours seems insane. I mean, he's going s- more or less straight up as opposed to like. It's so crazy to watch, man. It's crazy to watch him do certain parts of it. Like, like, I, I don't know. There are just like, there, there's, there's this one long crack, and uh, uh, it's like called a, um, an off width. I think was basically means like you. He has to have like his body in it, and you have to kind of shuffle up it. Yeah, and he can't. There's at no point can you have like your, you can't have full extension, but you also can't have like full leverage really right you have to like keep the tension yeah Yeah. so they're just like whole it's just like unbelievable it's just like one of the craziest things i've ever i've ever seen and i i like 
I don't know. It's amazing. It's a great. It's a great film. It's a really, really good documentary. All right, Free Solo. I'm gonna have to check that out, and so will you. Uh, the movie that I saw was a movie by the name of Long Day's Journey Into Night. Mm. Now, don't be fooled because it has nothing to do with. Uh, there's a play called Long Day's Journey Into Night by somebody named Eugene O'Neill. That is not this. This is a movie directed by uh, a Chinese director named Bygone. It was, or is, I should say, a subtitled film. And it's probably one of the most mind-blowing movies I've ever seen. Which okay. is like a pretty lofty claim, mm-hmm. right? But uh, it is. And it's one of those movies where when it finishes, you think to yourself, like, what did I just see? You know, was that even good? <laughs> I'm not okay. e- I'm not even sure. And the more I piece it together, the more I realize it is sheer genius. Like beyond the level that we this is the the hit, the most hidden of hidden gems. I don't okay. know if it's a hidden gem, but uh I would suggest that uh if you ever get the chance to to watch it or if you can find it online or whatever, definitely check it out. Uh it's a movie it's kind of like a neo noir film about a guy who um i guess is involved with some shady people essentially what happens spoiler alert by the way but i don't think it's going to matter i really want to see this movie by the way um it it's about a guy who uh whose friend is is uh is killed by a gangster for not living up to his promises but Part of the reason this friend doesn't live up to his promises is this guy forgot to do, like the main character forgot to do something and thus his friend was killed. So he kind of, and this is kind of all explained in exposition and normally I don't like exposition, but like the way this is done, because it kind of feels like a fever dream and he's talking about memories and it kind of jumps between timelines, it it works very well. Um, he talks about how he met this girl uh, or he saw this girl on the train who he knew was the significant other of this gangster. And he uh, confronts her and he's like, where's this guy? Where's this guy? Uh, and eventually, like, you see through memories and, like, I mean, it's it's hard to tell what's real and what's not real because, like, weird stuff happens. But you, you find out that uh, he falls in love with and has a relationship with this girl who is the, the gangster's significant other. Well, it's quite the sticky wicket and, to get into. Um, at one point, uh, you find out that she's also a criminal. And this is what I mean by, by like insanity. He is talking to a former cellmate or, or a, not cellmate, a, a, like a criminal uh, associate. associate of this woman. And he's in a prison, like talking to her between glass. And just like in the background, kind of out of focus behind him, you see like, like a almost like a waterfall or something like starting up behind him and you're just like what Wh- like where is he and there's all these constant images of like waterfalls and like apples and all this weird stuff uh, and spinning it's it's very hard to explain um but anyway this girl then convinces him to kill the gangster so they can be together he kills the gangster uh or you assume he does because they never actually show you what happens but he kills the gangster and when he goes back to find her she's gone and then the like present day story because all this is memory the present day story is him now like trying to find her Mm. year many years later and it all culminates with him arriving at a movie theater uh while waiting he's told that she's going to sing karaoke at a bar uh, at night, and so he goes to the movie theater to to kill some time before uh, he gets to this bar at the end of his journey, and he puts on uh, some 3D glasses to watch this movie, and that's the cue for the audience to put on 3D glasses because this movie is not in 3D. That's but then, crazy. Okay. But then you put on 3D glasses, like as an audience member, I put on 3D glasses, and what preceded was a 55-minute single shot of this insane dream uh that is like exactly what a dream would be and it's so hard to to to, like say that but when you think about dream sequences in tvs or movies or whatever they're too straightforward or like right 
they almost make too much sense. Yeah, they, yeah. Whereas this one, like, you don't even realize it's a dream at first, but then, like, things start tying together in odd ways. So, like, at one point earlier in the movie, he's talking to a friend of his mom's who, uh, I don't know, used to know this gangster or whatever. And offhandedly, it turns out that she's a uh, hairdresser. And and he says to her, or she says to him, excuse me, and I, I know I'm, ra- I'm ranting here, but she says to him, like, you know, if I if your mom ever dyed her hair, what color would you dye it? And he's like, I don't know, like red maybe? And she's like, ah, that's silly. Who would ever dye their hair red? And then like later on in this dream sequence, there's like a lady with bright, re- an older lady with bright red hair. So like you make a kind of assumption that it might be his mom, but she, he doesn't recognize her. And like, you know, I, I, I mentioned there were apples. And at one point in the dream, there's like a donkey with a cart full of apples and just like all this stuff that when you retrace your own dreams, you realize like they're, bits and pieces of things that someone told you that day or that you saw or that you Mm -hmm. thought of or like a memory that you recalled or whatever and this is all of that in one single shot 55 minutes long fully in 3d and i feel like maybe because we're both exhausted as we're recording this but you describing this and us sitting outside i'm starting to kind of freak out a little bit (laughs) i'm like am i dreaming right now yeah is this that's that's what the movie feels like though the entire time you're just like is this a dream is he dreaming is so it's like, like a a non a not or a less disturbing version of enter the void at the end of a movie that's about something else or not even the end like halfway i guess a little over well, so the movie was two hours and 20 minutes okay so like well over it's like two-thirds of the way through you yeah. just have a 3d dream experience yeah and i want to see it so bad but like will that how that won't translate like i will i have to see it in theater so that i can put on 3d go i mean I think that's a cool marvel and it, it like it's it, it, from a technical standpoint and from a directorial standpoint it's incredible because it really like demarcates a point where it's like okay this portion of the movie is now different than everything that you saw mm-hmm. and makes it more of like a vivid dream type thing but i think that what happens in the dream and how it plays out doesn't necessarily need to be 3d i think it's just like an another layer and if you didn't see it in 3d it would still be fine but it would be less obvious that like okay now something different is happening gotcha but what i will say is right before the dream sequence the title card of the movie appears and not at any point before that so you're watching them it shows the entire credits roll at the beginning of the movie Hmm. does not mention the title of the movie at all you go through this entire sequence and then for the la- right before the last 55 minutes of the film shows you the title card of the movie then the dream sequence starts and it is it's a very surreal isn't it crazy that we can still be people can still like innovate in ways like that in with films like yeah oh yeah you could still be surprised by stuff basically i, I had you know? no idea and again i will say that when when this movie finished i i saw it with tom and we both turned to each other and we were just like did you like it? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, what do you think happened there? And then the more we started dissecting it, the more like my brain actually processed what was going on. Yeah. It fucking blew me away. Tom it was, would be a great person to to have that experience with, I feel. Yeah. Same with same with my next experience I'm going to talk about. Well, his explanation of what he thought happened at the end of the movie like opened up a new door for me. I was like, oh yeah, you really like he you watches, got it. He watches a lot of movies. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, this guy gets it. It sounds like I feel like I just rambled, and it like sounds like a crazy ramble. You had but my undivided attention, though. I was like, maybe I should be like tr- trying to have some sort of conversation here, so that whoever's listening to this is like. No. But no, it's good. It's just it, it's a. But I also want to say it's like a dark mystery. The movie. Mm. It's not playful. Right. In any way, but I definitely think it's one hundred percent worth checking out uh, if you can find it somewhere so definitely a long day's journey in tonight well you mentioned that uh, you had a movie experience with tom yeah so uh the second tiff movie i saw uh courtesy of tom and and one of tom's homies um was the jonah hill's directorial debut mid 90s amazing it was amazing so it premiered at tiff it was a tiff premiere yeah we didn't see the premiere, so unfortunately, like they told us before the movie, that the cast and the director and stuff wouldn't be in it, could unfortunately not be in attendance. Yeah. 
I think they were for one an earlier screening, but um, I'm going to try to talk less about this one because I want to talk the most about it. Right. But this is a movie that if you, I'm going to assume you haven't heard anything about it. So many people posted the trailer on my wall when it came out because they were like, oh, this is a movie for Andrew. Because yeah. it's about, the trailer would lead you to believe that it, it obviously it takes place during the mid-90s. It's about... Uh, like well now vintage rap music and skateboarding you know kind of not necessarily in their infancy because they've been around before the 90s but like sort of a a very formative like the teenage years like the formative years for for both you know early early and yeah this stuff us rap music skateboarding all that kind of stuff yeah um and i was really excited for this movie and it did not disappoint me in fact it exceeded my expectations but essentially the basic plot of the movie is it takes place in Cal in California yeah um, and it's about this kid uh, who we'll call Sunburn Stevie he's I don't even know how old he is he's a very young kid um, you're not really it's very interesting the way that the characters are developed because you don't you don't know like if he's in school, like what he's doing it. So there's none of that aspect of like a kid's life is featured in this movie. Okay. That's interesting. Basically what happens is it's established. The opening shot is just a hallway and you're just like looking at this hallway and then out of fucking nowhere with like the most, the loudest, most visceral sounds. He's just thrown into the hallway out of a room, like into a wall, like face first. Yeah. And this, uh, you come to know, find out it's his older brother but you basically figure that out immediately uh who i don't know is in his late teens maybe yeah just is beating the shit out of him like not like not not like you know in a playful in a playful in a playful like primetime tv like oh you know kid brothers are gonna fight like in a way that makes you concerned like this is like a vicious abuse it's not like uh oh, you took my fucking Walkman and I'm going to like push you around. He's like wailing the shit out of this kid. Yeah. Um, so right out of the gates, his like life at home is kind of established. It's kind of like, I don't know if I go so far as to say broken home, but it's complicated. You know, it's a single mom situation. Mm-hmm. She's got two boys. You know, you don't really, it's not maybe the healthiest. Right. And what it's about is he discovers skateboarding. Uh, you know, he just sees these kids. He's like, they, they, you assume they're older kids skating. Um, and he just sort of endeavors to find a way to, to join that group. Yeah. So the movie's about a lot of things, but it's done in such a, f- like, see, I know so much work would have gone into it, but everything from the direction to the writing to the casting, mm-hmm. everything feels so effort. It's done in like an effortlessly believable real way. Yeah. I read one review online where somebody was like, this movie's kind of over the top. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't feel like anything in this movie was over the top. So it's, it's so like, is it's, it, is it gritty and, and sort of somewhat realistic, like the movie kids or something not in the like yeah. storyline way, but like in the like way that it's shot and yo. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. Like there's uh it's just very raw. Like they don't, so, so like a few of the kids are actors and then a few of them are just skaters. Right. And their performances are all amazing. They're so fucking, per- like they're so believable. If you've, if you, I don't know. I just like, it's really hard to explain, you know, like I didn't live that life obviously, but I'm very much sort of, you know, s- found my, found my tribe you know kind right. like at least in in terms of things i was interested in later in life not like at the same age as these kids but skateboarding rap music all that kind of stuff right so there was a lot that i could relate to in those aspects but uh like i watched an interview at tiff with jonah hill and mm-hmm. three of the cast members uh and he said you know one of the things that they decided that there wasn't going to be any skate porn and there wasn't going to be nostalgia porn in this movie and i think that they nailed that because it's like it's so it's so hard to it's hard to explain. It's not a movie about skateboarding, you know, and like how that brings people together. But that's a huge aspect of it. But it right. feels natural. It's like a byproduct of who these people are in the situation they're in. Right. And all they do is skate. 
but at no point are you like, oh, I'm just watching like a glorified skate movie with a plot. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's you're just watching kids being kids, and it just so happens that these kids skate. Yeah, and then at the same time, even though it's such a beautiful homage to clearly things that are very close to Jonah Hill's heart yeah rap music you know uh and just like there's all kinds of like nostalgia in the movie like one of the first shots this kid is wearing a a Street Fighter shirt that's got guile on it um it's not like uh it's not done in a Stranger Things kind of way that's like obviously like just nostalgia porn you know right the and things it, that are nostalgic in it feel natural like it feels like you're literally watching something that was done in the 90s and right, you're just like oh it's not it's not paying homage really to these things it's more just like set dressing as opposed yeah. to like yeah hey guys yeah there's not like this out. The, it, it's done very well because there are shots that are like there's a shot that's like a panning shot of his older brother's cd collection yeah which is like an obvious like yo look at these cds but again it just never feels like on the nose you know what i mean right which is a very hard thing to do um, but i mean all that shit aside it is like a very um it is very i found it a very moving i found it incredibly compelling like i was like riveted the whole time it had my like undivided attention right um and it's it's very dark it's very gritty like it's not like a again it's not really like happy-go-lucky you know and i think another thing i like about it which is a common thread in the in the movies we talk about in the movies that are frequently my favorites is it doesn't have like a it doesn't tie off in with like a neat bow right you oh, know neither does my last movie by the it's, way i didn't mention that but uh you know no no spoilers but like from a filmmaking perspective it has a beautiful ending but it's not like this movie is just a snapshot in it's a coming of age story it's a story about discovery like it's all of these things and it's just fucking so masterfully done and i want all of the success for jonah hill and the people that were involved in this movie because so, it's yeah I was oh gonna... it's filmed in four three oh like, the yeah, whole yeah, movie it's... like it's done like it's 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 so great and it does have humor but right. the humor is like you know i feel this way a lot i think i've said it before i feel like some of the humor is almost nervous like i was in a sold out theater that was huge yeah and i feel like a lot of the things people were laughing at i was like that wasn't supposed to be funny that and i know that's like a mat it's subjective but like yeah. i'm watching it i'm like nothing about that was funny to me like but some people laugh when they're uncomfortable yeah like there are parts that have to do with you know like abuse or like sex which is a very uh, is done and handled in this movie in a way that's very like you're kind of like mm, tugging at your collar because they're fucking like kids you know yeah. but like it i just feel like it never jumps the shark it never crosses any lines um and it's just the very like true to itself and uh fucking man like it's like when i watched moonlight and i was like wow like some of the people in this movie like the kids are so incredible the 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 talent that this child actor has versus like when you think about like Jake Lloyd and Phantom Menace, you know, the best, the, of f- the, the full prequels? gamut, the full spectrum of like acting yeah. perfor- of like performances. This is like falls way, way closer to moonlight. <laughs> Some weird stuff going down <laughs> on the street. Something's uh, something happening. But, uh, but, but like he, he is just incredible in the film. Great performance. Uh, well, so let me ask you a question. I, obviously, I think I know the answer to this, but are you seeing Jonah Hill's next movie? Oh, yo, yeah. I'll see it no matter what. It's ne- about next directorial movie, I mean, not not starring yeah. role. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. It's it's so good. I want to see this movie again. It doesn't come out until late October. Like, I, wanna, I wanted to watch it again. When we walked out, we're like, well, there's another screening at this time and we're like yeah but we don't have tickets we'd have to wait in the rush line and it was just like this whole thing but there's so I, many I, movies at tiff this i think this year has been particularly fruitful because there's a lot of movies that i have wanted to see this year as opposed to like other years there's been some but like this year i feel like there's a ton yeah it's so good this one and, included and it, you know it has like a lot of i i think so something that i've done that was it, sorry sorry to interrupt was yeah. it a24 yeah yeah they're they're killing it man oh yeah they're like focus. Fe- the they're like movies. focus features, like a couple years ago. Yeah, I think like I think there are monkeys rampaging around our street. Here. Crazy! This like the kids were in this movie are like right outside this Koji's fence right now. Uh, so uh, one thing that I really like about this movie, 
that I'll say is that much like the climbing movie, and I'm not, this isn't like a judgment. Yeah. But like, you know, you go to the premiere of a skate video. Yeah. It's all skaters. Yeah. Nobody yeah. that isn't a skater is going to the premiere of like an actual skateboard video. Free Solo was a mixture because it's, it's at TIFF, you know, yeah. and it's like there are people that are festival goers that maybe aren't climbers but are interested in seeing a documentary about climbing. Yeah. And then there's a portion of the audience that are climbers. And it's like very, it's usually very easy to tell the difference, you know. You can see in the lineup, you can see the people that are yeah, climbers. The upper body strength versus well, the yeah, cardigans. Even j- yeah, I'm exactly. Yeah. Even j- well, for real though, like even just like the way that they, their style, you know, like everything, the vibe that they put out. A lot of um, shorts and loose-fitting shoes. And so the thing that was interesting is that all anybody that <laughs> knows me knows that not only do I talk a lot, but, like, I love to show things. Like, I love to play people music, or especially in college, I was obsessed with showing people skate videos and snowboard videos, and I think part of that... Yeah. Part of that is it's just cool shit. It's, like, something to do. But, like, yeah. the other thing is that I, I think I do those things to try to, like try to get somebody to understand the experience or like my connection to those things. Yeah. Even if it's not something they're super into, I'm like, I'm like, yo, look how sick this is. But like, not just cause like this person's doing crazy tricks, but like with skate videos, especially like the girl videos, the chocolate videos, like look at like how these people live and how they interact and like how this is like a bonding experience for them, you know? Yeah. And this movie, because it's not a skate video yeah. does that. It like nails it because I feel like, by and large, once again, this is like the other end of the spectrum. This entire theater, yeah, I saw a couple people skate there, like with skateboards. Oh yeah, but nice. like there's like hundreds and th- I don't know how many people the theater holds, but like most of the people are clearly there's like film junkies, you know. And yeah, what curious I curious th- to see Jonah Hill's directorial. Yeah, like they weren't going because of like the skateboard content, but I think that this movie, even though there's no skateboard in it, like yeah. I was saying it captures those things really well. Like there's mo- there one moment, this is the last thing I'll say about it. Yeah. There's one moment that's like so incredibly powerful and touching and like some, some shit has gone down Yeah. and like the kid, the main character Stevie is like sitting against this wall behind the skate shop. And, uh, <coughs> the, uh, one of the other main characters, um, he, is like kind of this kid looks up to him like he's kind of the leader of the crew he's like older yeah the black kid with like the short dreads who's a skateboarder in real life and he like comes out and they have this like very believable interaction this conversation where he's basically just saying like you know clearly he thinks like his life is shit and everything's fucked up and then this kid kind of is like you know i think that if you look at everybody else that you see and you could see what shit they had going on, you would realize that your shit is not as shitty. Yeah. But he does it in a way that's not condescending. And then he kind of reveals something that as an audience, you haven't known this whole time, something kind of about everybody that, you know, this kid is new to the group, himself included. And the whole time Stevie isn't saying anything, you know, and it's just like so powerful. But then at the end of it, he's just like, you know, uh, like some bad shit happened to him. And he's like, and I was like, I couldn't, get up i couldn't get out of bed yeah and then this other character his name is fuck shit <laughs> uh he's like he came over and he wouldn't leave me alone until like i came out skating and he's just like so you know like let's go skate yeah. and then the next like five minutes of the movie is just like he basically drags this kid who's not very good at skating yet yeah he just like takes him out and they just like it's just like the two of them skating and it's it does such a good job of like you know even if you haven't had those sort of moments that dramatic in your own life, like yeah. there's something very like everybody has these like powerful experiences that like kind of bond them to these, these cultures like skating or, po- or a type of music that yeah. like they can't really fully explain to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And this movie just like that seemed such a powerful job of capturing that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just like, I was watching it. I was like, fucking yes. And then I'm just content you're content as an audience to, audience to watch this next like couple minutes unfold with no dialogue. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't even come close to feeling like s- quote unquote skate porn because you're not watching just like tricks, you know, like you're what it's like about the people now. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, it's so good. It's such a great movie and the soundtrack kicks fucking ass. So like definitely right. everybody should fucking run. Don't Mid-90s. walk, rush out to see this movie when it hits theaters, like give it all the support, pay for it. 
fucking we got pretty lucky i think because i've seen a few other tiff movies and my tip previous tiff experiences have been kind of hit or miss mm. you know there's been a couple that i was like eh, well you know whatever it was fine or like i didn't really like that but it seems like we're three for three this time oh yeah so so good so stellar and i and again like i i really would would recommend or you know so if anyone from tiff is listening hook us up next year right oh yeah for sure I, i'm just we... i mean i'm just kidding uh, but not really <laughs> <laughs> i would love to just go to more tiff movies i immediately we do after... like multiple tiff episodes that'd be great oh i would god. do a tiff episode every day yeah oh my god for the festival i would just cover it just hidden gems entirely yeah but um i immediately looked up a membership for tiff yeah and it is not inexpensive uh unfortunately mosquito yeah and uh but it does allow you first dibs at these tickets. Well, it could be could be worth it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm maybe next year. Maybe next year we'll he- hear a week of TIFF episodes, or at least uh, more than three movies. And we tr- we'll try not to ruin them for you. We'll, those yeah. will be spoiler free. I mean, I, I will say that these are you know we saw these movies before other people are going to get a chance to see them. So yeah, they may not it be is a bit different. Gems. And Who I, knows? Yeah, and I and I. But I just, you know, I tried my best to not spoil anything in mid '90s. Free Solo is is kind of spoiler free. It's just yeah. a documentary. But like, and I will say about the movie that I saw, I could literally describe to you every second of what happened, and it would not make a difference. Yeah. You would just see it and be like, "What the fuck?" Um, I'm, I'm just like fucking. It was such a great experience. Good Should on I? you, Jonah Hill. Like yeah. he really, and he like, I don't know, man. I. People, I was kind of like buying into the hype in that, and buying into the hype, I mean, about Jonah Hill in a bad way. Like, there's people that are kind of like, oh, he's kind of like, he's turned, you know, he's, he's pulled like a James Hollywood Franco. Whatever, yeah. yeah, like, he's kind of like, fucking, he thinks very highly of himself, you know, as like this auteur, like, you know, and all yeah. that. And I was kind of like, oh, maybe he does. I mean, I don't know. He still seems like a cool guy to me. Uh, but I think his work speaks for itself. Like, it's way, fucking amazing. I still back Franco. Like, Ooh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Allegations aside, I think what he's done Yeah, so that's far what I was getting at. Has, I still like... Has been good. Yeah. His I, work, anyway. But I don't know that we even need recommendations this week because we, we just, like... We can stockpile them because I have so many. Spent an hour recommending three movies. Yeah. So I think we're good. Um, I don't know what we're going to do next week. We'll figure it out. Or... I say we. Who knows when the next episode will be? Uh, also, Tom, if you're listening, the song, the song that we we're trying song. to figure out, the mystery song, is Herbie Hancock. It's off of Headhunters. I'll get you. I'll get you the the track title at a later point. But uh, I have a funny story about that. But it's not. It's not really relevant. We, I won't talk about it here. Maybe. Maybe another time. But that's a story for a different episode. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We're getting eaten alive by mosquitoes now. Uh, but I appreciate it. If you haven't been to TIFF, you should go. And if you have been, tell us about your TIFF experience. Yeah. I, you know what? Even if you went this year, we only saw three films and it's over yeah. now. Tell us, like, give us some recommendations. You know, like, what should we check out that you saw from TIFF? Yeah. Mailbag at loveitpod.com. Thanks, guys. Keep loving it.